Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, and together, uh, he and I uh, have launched our Candid Coaches series over at CBSSports.com. Basically a series where uh, we uh, try to talk with more than 100 uh, Division I college basketball coaches. We grant them uh, anonymity in exchange for honesty, and we ask a series of questions, some of them serious, some of them not so serious, hopefully all of them interesting. And so, uh, that started launching this week. We've now posted two questions, CBSSports.com. We'll run through both of them here. But the first one, and Norlander, you handled the heavy lifting on this one, uh, was on whether the NCAA should refuse to host any more NCAA tournament games in North Carolina until the HB2 law is amended or eradicated. 56% of the coaches we polled, and again, it was more than 100 uh, different coaches at all levels of the sport, both head coaches and assistants, 56% of the coaches we polled said yes, the NCAA should refuse to host any more NCAA tournament games in North Carolina until the HB2 law is amended or eradicated, uh, basically following uh, the NBA's lead. Did that number surprise you? Because though we've been able to make the headline, majority of college coaches are in favor of this, uh, it still seemed kind of low to me. Uh, I I wasn't surprised we had a majority. I'm surprised it was only 56%. Did that surprise you at all? Um, Yeah, I thought about when we had the question going in, I internally guessed this would be about 65, 35, so a little bit of surprise. Now... Um, maybe pull back the curtain just a little bit here on this question. Uh, one, obviously, has a, it has a news element. This is, one, Mark Emmert has spoken out on these kinds of things, both in regard to Indianapolis and Indiana with state laws there where the NCAA is, is located. Uh, he has spoken out about, um, basically, the NCAA is, is getting closer and closer to having a no-tolerance-for-intolerance kind of policy. And at the Final Four this year, uh, Emmert spoke out prior to the NBA and Adam Silver making their move, pulling the NBA off, bringing them out of Charlotte. Uh, Emmert basically put this on the table that North Carolina is not simply guaranteed to host the NCAA tournament every year just because, you know, it's a state that obviously so feverishly supports the tournament in college basketball and all that. So there is a news element to all this given the HB2 has kind of consistently been the headlines. There have been consistent protests. And obviously, most recently, when we were on the road, the headline broke that Adam Silver pulled the All-Star game out of Charlotte for 2017. Um, You got more yeses than I did, but I started the same way you did. Because at first, I'd say through the first 30 coaches I got, I would say it was probably pulling at a 20 yes, 5 no, 5 no opinion. And by the way, I knew I was going to get some no opinions on this because basically, you know, I either talked to coaches – Called them, text some emails, and on some of the emails, coaches just wouldn't answer the question. And so I'd go back at them, I need an answer. And sometimes coaches would be like, well, I don't really have an opinion. And I'd say, okay, I mean, do you truly have no opinion here? Because this is anonymous. And most coaches then gave me a yes or no, but a few still were just like, dude, I just don't care about this issue whatsoever. And uh, to me, that wasn't good enough. It's a yes or no question. And this is certainly something that will have impact on college basketball because Honestly, it's a huge deal in that state every single year. I was surprised that there were that there were as many no's, but I did I knew we were going to get some. 
the other element here, GP, is that uh, I, I wondered if coaches would be motivated in a halfway cynical way of saying, yeah, let's pull it out of North Carolina because Duke and Carolina get a game or two there. Well, I, d- I did get that from one coach. I got it from, I'd say, three or four coaches I got it from. But I want to be clear here. I also talked to uh, at least 10 coaches that work in the state of North Carolina, some of them head coaches, and some of those coaches who would, in theory, benefit also voted to have the tournament leave the state until something is done about this. And Krzyzewski, Gottfried, and Roy, I think all three publicly have come out and been vocal against the bill to this point as well. So the thing is, this is a real thing. This isn't just like, okay, let's have a let's have a poll question because we want to get a temperature for how coaches are feeling. The NCAA has sent out a questionnaire. This is another thing that came out when we were on the road, GP. It has sent out a questionnaire to every single city bidding on future NCAA hosting abilities and sites. Okay, and within that questionnaire, is it, it it basically touches on. Uh, much of what HB2, House Bill 2 is what it stands for in the bathroom bill or whatever. And is there any sort of discriminatory actions? Could it be perceived as such? So the deadline for that to be filled out and sent back to the NCAA is on Friday, tomorrow, the day after recording this podcast. So this is a very real possibility that in the next few weeks or whenever the NCAA gets through all this process, we could have a headline that says the NCAA is pulling out of North Carolina until something changes here. This is not something that's far off this could actually be a huge thing and within that there are actual reverberations and impacts within college basketball because again the state hosts a regional site or a first weekend site every single year yeah to the extent that we got no i I think when you break it down the yes answers are are pretty self-explanatory like of course this 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 bill is is you know in lots of people's minds ridiculous and if the ncaa can can play even a small role in getting it uh, changed or removed, then the NCAA should should do that, right? That's the that's the typical yes answer. The no um, wasn't no. I support the bill. At least from the coaches I talked to, it wasn't no. I su- because I support this bill. It was no because like let's just keep like I, I don't need college basketball getting mixed up in politics. Like I I I just feel like we should keep them completely separate does that line up with what you mostly heard from coaches too to a certain some some coaches definitely said that um uh, i definitely got some i don't talk politics i don't want to deal with politics let's just play the game but uh, i'm sorry like i sports is politics and always has been and always and always will now within the actual context of playing games obviously that's not the same thing but just because you don't want to address the issues that are very real inside of that state and nationally. It doesn't mean that, you know, college basketball gets to that, That's how that kind of status quo thinking is kind of how people get in, in institutions and states and organizations get themselves into trouble. So I actually think the NCAA should be commended no matter where you fall on the side of the, on, on the issue. Uh, to me personally, if it, 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 to me, it's a discriminatory bill. Okay. And if you're going to have that, and you've had the PGA Tour already pull an event out of North Carolina. And you've had major musical acts, by means of protest, pull their concerts out. Um, the only way that you can affect true change is to hit people in the pocketbook and hit them on an economic level. Now, is it a go-around? In some ways, yes, but sometimes that's the only way that you can actually do it. So to the coaches that want to keep their head down and focus on basketball, I get that. But I do want to give a lot of coaches credit here 
because I will say, whereas many fans might just see the coaches of these programs as just purely basketball coaches, and that's their job is to win games first and foremost, uh, start and end of it without a doubt. A lot of coaches had some really interesting, introspective uh, responses on both sides of it, by the way. If you go to the story, I really encourage everyone to check out the story and the one we're going to talk about here with the best player and all that. Um, there's a coach who opposes it, and he gives a reason why he understands it, but he also has daughters, and it really makes him uncomfortable. Um, there's a human element to that as well. So a lot of these guys, they don't often feel the need, and there really isn't a huge opportunity or, or, or desire for them to speak out on these issues in a public manner. And to be honest, they don't do it because there would be obvious drawbacks with that. But they definitely think about these issues and they have opinions on them. A lot of them, not all coaches, but plenty of them do. And you'll see, Come, I don't want to spoil what we have coming next week and the week after, but we've got a couple other topics coming. One that Paris suggested that I can't believe I didn't think of, and it is fantastic. But the the insights from these coaches, they're, they're really, really good. And a part of me wishes that they would be willing to speak on the record about them. But the reality is there's just... There's no true benefit for them in the big picture to do that. So that's why we give them the cloak of anonymity. And in exchange for that, they trust us and they're willing to. I'm, sometimes I'm surprised by how much some of these coaches will even share with me because in some instances, they're coaches I've talked with, you know, four or five times. But I don't know them like tr tremendously, tremendously well. And they'll offer up this stuff. And it's um, it's rather surprising and impressive. Yeah, I mean, you just have to, I mean, and that's a, sort of a basic principle of reporting and, and building relationships. They, they, you just have to, they have to know they're not going to get burned. And we have to date never burned anybody, nor would we. So, um, you know, so I, I, I think coaches have, you know, at least the feedback I get, um, they're intrigued by this series every year and, and for the most part, uh, happy to participate. I'm with you. Um, I think the NCAA should be commended for, um, even considering taking uh, such a public and 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 real stand uh, against this bill because it is a discriminatory bill, uh, at least in my mind and in a lot of people's minds. And um, I wrote a few weeks ago. I thought Mike Shishetsky should be commended for taking a stand because Mike is. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's registered, but like Mike's a Republican. Like Mike, yeah. Mike has, has raised money and donated to Republican candidates. It, you know, it, it is probably not incredibly popular for Mike to have the opinion he has um, in such a public way with some of his friends, uh, you know, because again, he he's on for the most part on that side of the aisle. And yet um, he was willing to take a stand in, you know, and he's arguably the most important voice in sports in that state, depending on how you rank Michael Jordan, I guess. But um, I, I thought Mike should have been commended. And I think the NCAA should be commended because this law this bill, it, it is going to be on the wrong side of history. Whether we look back in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you'll look back on it and go, what? what? And, and so, like, if the NCAA and the NBA and the PGA Tour and Pearl Jam and Bruce Springsteen and uh, any of the other acts who have uh, canceled shows in that state to take a stand against this bill, um, if they can, as you put it, hit that state in the pocketbook um, and – to 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 hopefully force change i'm for that and um you know i i i, I under, at least understand when i hear coaches say just keep basketball out of politics and politics out of basketball like i hear where you're coming from um but i just fundamentally disagree if if you have the power as the ncaa to nudge 
politicians in a certain uh, way, even slightly, but nudge them in a, in a direction they, sh- they should have already been in, uh, I'm happy that the NCAA takes that stand. And, and I, hope, um, I hope that they actually do take the stand. I hope that they, until that, that bill is changed um, or, or removed, I, I hope there's not an NCAA tournament game in North Carolina again. And if that is the last straw that, that brings about change, then a uh, round of applause for the NCAA okay. as far as I'm concerned. You know, who said that it would be, but if it, if it, would, if it was, that would be interesting. Now, the tournament, I'm almost positive, will be played – like, it will be played next year in Carolina. I'm, I'm almost positive that they're again. They, they get a first weekend site almost every year, but it would be going forward that cities are bidding on, uh, on hosting duties. So, it could, you know, Carolina could also get caught up in a, uh, in a calendar game here where it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pass the test, so to speak, with that questionnaire with the NCAA – um, loses out hosting rights for a year or two, change comes and maybe it gets it back. Uh, that could very well be what, uh, what we're doing. Well, that's what the, the NBA basically, you know, put a, a carrot on the table. They said, hey, listen, um, we, we are taking the 2000, uh, what would it be, 8, 17? Yeah, uh, next season's All-Star game was scheduled, I'm almost positive. For Charlotte. They took it. Yeah. They're going to put it, I think it's already been announced in New Orleans or it's going like yeah. – Okay, okay. But but the the NBA while doing that also said, "We don't have a site for 2019 yet. If you want that, it's yours. Change the bill. If you we'll, we'll bring we'll we'll come to you in 2019, change the bill." And so that is an incentive for because forget just like how cool it is to have LeBron and Kevin and Steph in your city um for that weekend and all the stars that come along with it. It is a massive economic it makes a massive economic impact on the city and the state. Restaurants, bars, hotels, uh, Uber drive, everybody. And so, like, there's there's a real financial incentive um, simply from the NBA perspective for North Carolina to amend that bill. And so uh, who knows whether they will, um, but uh, if the NCAA puts a financial incentive and the um, NCAA puts a financial incentive and, and different uh, acts that are touring – you know, put a financial incentive on the table for the bill to be changed. Well, that is that that will be the reason. If it is changed someday, uh, a combination of all these things will will likely um, contribute. To One it. more quick thing, GP, before we transition. Also, I did have a few coaches, and people will naturally respond that you know this is the action of, of legislature, and the greater public of North Carolina shouldn't be punished. I get that, but at the same time, um, you can you know attempt to retroactively change that not retroactively but going forward by you know voting in the elections and voting right you know, if you have an issue with what's happening here then you, you need to take a look at who's in office and then uh maybe you know vote accordingly going forward so that's that's just that, that's you know that's basic local government and that's i understand what what people are saying with that but uh but you know the people of north carolina are being put in this spot to begin with because of who was putting it off. Right. Be, yeah, to the extent that uh, people in North Carolina are being punished for this bill, because um, I heard this as well. Like, the people of North Carolina didn't have anything to do with this bill. Well, they, they elected the people who did. So um, so vote them out of office. And then you get you get all the other things you say you want. You want an NBA All-Star game? You got it. You want NCAA tournament games? You got it. Not to mention all the other stuff that goes along with it. So um, the only people who can change this bill besides the politicians are the voters in North Carolina because they can put new people in office who will then change the bill. So 
um, ultimately, this is the way things get done in this country. And um, and, and so, uh, I, I again, uh, not to repeat myself, but I, I think the I, I'm impressed that the NCAA is willing to take a stand, uh, or at least considering taking a stand. And uh, I uh, I'll give them a round of applause if they actually do it. The other question that's uh, already posted from this Candy Coaches series is one that we do every year. Um, just because it's simple and it is it is interesting to see the answers because as as well as we like to think we know college basketball um, we're not basketball coaches so I'm always intrigued to hear what co- uh, you know which players are valued most uh, by college basketball coaches and so the question's a simple question um, if you could take any Division one player in America put him on your team for this season who would you take and uh, uh, Grayson Allen got more votes than anybody else. He's obviously the Duke junior average, I think like 22 and five last season, going to be um, a preseason first team All-American, if only because um, not a single first team AP All-American from last year is back in school. Not a single second team AP All-American from last year is back in school. I think Grayson was a consensus third team All-American, and he's the only one who's back in school. So he is the most decorated returning player in college basketball so it's not surprising uh there what was interesting is that two of the top three are actually duke players it's grayson allen first harry giles uh second and um, i think giles would have probably been the number one vote getter if not for the multiple acl surgeries because i heard that from a lot of coaches if he's healthy he's the guy but you know he hasn't played basketball since last november is he going to uh, be physically help, uh, able to dominate the way his talent suggests he should um and is there like a rust factor as well which are are, are fair points but um grayson allen won harry giles third uh, duke is loaded that's not exactly breaking news yeah okay so this one normally when we do this and we do this every single year, and it always is interesting to see what players get the most nods. Sometimes it's fairly predictable. I would have guessed Giles would have won this going in. And in fact, I want to say like five of the first seven coaches I contacted gave me Giles. And so early on, I thought he was going to be the runaway. Didn't end up happening that way. Um, this is as spread out a yep. vote as we have ever had going into a season. We have never had more players mentioned than we do. It's never been this. I mean, Allen wins it at 13%, which is unusually low. And then between him and Jenkins, uh, Chris Jenkins at Villanova, you've got what? 11, 12 players that have anywhere between five and 13%. And that's still not including, by the way, I think if we were to do this at the end of the year, the guy who came in 12th, Dennis Smith at North Carolina, I think he will be, he would be a top five choice among coaches. Cause I think he, and Monty Morris, not not Mello. I like Mello Trimble fine, but I actually think Monty and Dennis will go back and forth as being the country's best point guard next year. Um, how about this GP? You're not calling you're not calling Marco Fultz a point guard? Uh, more combo ish, I guess. Um, than like Dennis Smith. Yeah, I mean Dennis Smith is crazy athletic, and he's not. I guess not true true point guard. Um, they're all kind of similar. Fultz. He is getting a lot of love. He's a, I, I, he's, I'll tell you this. like uh, For people who haven't seen the list yet, the top five are Grayson Allen with 13% of the vote, Markel Fultz uh, with 12% of the vote, Harry Giles with 10% of the vote, Melo Trimble with 9% of the vote, and then Josh Hart with 8% of the vote. Um, the way we do this, because I had some people ask on Twitter, basically um, Norlander sends me a list of 
you know, 80 coaches or however many it was that, hey, I'm going to I'm going to contact these guys. And then I just stay away from them, 80 from those 80 or what? You know, I just I, I look yeah. at the list and I go, OK, so and so's not on the list. I'll uh, I'll I'll text him. So and so's not on the list. I'll call him. So there is no like, hey, you take the ACC. I'll take the Big Twelve. You take the Big East. I'll take the American Athletic Conference. There is no you take the West Coast. I'll take the East Coast. It is completely random, uh, you know, in in the way that we do it. But what was so what was surprising and just I I think more coincidence than anything else. Markel Fultz was far and away the leading vote getter from the coaches I talked to, and yet he wasn't even top five with the coaches you talked to, which is how Grayson Allen finished first. But um, and there's there's no reason for that other than I just happened to contact the guys I contacted, and you happened to contact the guys you contacted. But um, Fultz is the name I heard over and over again. People love him, love him. It'll be very interesting to see what he does, what Washington can be. Um, you know, it'll be Fultz this year. And next year, Porter will go into school. Fultz is absolutely considered uh, one and done. Uh, he'll be gone to the draft. I mean, he that seems a mortal lock overall. Um, I did have a couple coaches give me Fultz. Uh, man, it's going to be super interesting. What I was kind of refreshed to, to hear was that Josh Hart got a lot of votes because I think he'll be – I think Josh Hart has a really good chance of just, by nature of being on a Villanova team, that I would have a hard time not – I can't see them being worse than a three seed, and that's like worst case scenario. They put up good numbers. He's like a lock to be a first or second team All American at the end of the year, in my opinion. Uh, so he got some votes, but so did Chris Jenkins, which was a little surprising to me. Uh, GP, how about this though? We get Allen Giles and then Jason Tatum, who's a super smooth freshman at Duke. So three Duke players basically in the top ten, and yet only one Kentucky player got multiple votes, and that's Malik Monk. Bam out of bio got one, I think. Um, kind of interesting because Duke is the number one team. It's our number one team heading into the season. Kentucky is number two. And yet, in the eyes of coaches, um, Duke has the, uh, the better lineup at the top, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think, Robin, really, in the eyes of coaches, in the eyes of NBA scouts, in the eyes of anybody outside of Kentucky fans, and maybe even most Kentucky fans, like Duke's loaded. I mean, they, uh, you know, Ty, uh, Harry Giles and Jason Tatum could go one and two in the NBA draft. You know, it, it, I don't know that they will, but they, because, you know, again, people love Marco Fultz, but um, it won't be surprising if Giles and Tatum go first and second in either order. And then Grayson Allen's a first-round draft pick. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they can start if they want to, and I don't think they will. But they could theoretically start a future first-round draft pick. Duke could. Not just a future pro. A future first-round draft pick at, at every spot on the floor. And so um, they're loaded. What I did find interesting is that there were only four schools that got multiple players who had multiple players who, had got, who got multiple votes. And those schools were Duke, Kentucky, uh, Villanova, and Kansas. And those are the schools that we have first, second, third, and fourth in the preseason top 25 and one. That. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's, it's sort of, it sort of lines up that way. Although, um, with all due respect, I was a little surprised Devonta Graham got, got votes. Yeah. yeah like I, I, I'm I, um, like, whatever, I, like, it's fine. He's a, he's a, a good college basketball player, but the idea that you would take him over, cause that's the way the question is, who would yeah. you take over literally every other dude in the country? I was, I was actually, cause here's the truth. There's really only about five or six correct answers to that question. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm always amazed at some of the answers we get. Like, I think you could reasonably say Grayson Allen. You could reasonably say Marco Fultz. You could reasonably say Harry Giles. You could reasonably say 
Um, and I think you can reasonably say Dennis Smith. I think he can be that good of a player. Yeah, some think, guys were like, if you love his skill set so much, right. I totally get it. I could even understand if you were like, if you reasonably wanted to say Ivan Rabb because he could have gone and been a lottery pick right. and he, he got multiple votes, I get that. I don't quite get, even like Josh Jackson at Kansas, absolutely. But I think any of the freshmen, any of the elite freshmen, because yeah. because they're all sort of bunched up. Like, you know, Josh Jackson, Markel Foles, uh, Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Dennis Smith. They're, like, I, I think you could find a college coach who might like any of those over all of the other freshmen in America. So any of the freshmen makes sense. But as far as the returning players, Grayson, obviously. I think you can even say Mellow Trimble if you just say, hey, I want a steady point guard who can score, who's seen it all. Um, you know, who, right. who, who yeah, I, you, I think you could rationally, uh, rationalize the pick of Mellow Trimble. I think you could rationalize the pick of, um, Josh Hart, even Monte Morris, um, maybe Dylan Brooke, but like, so, like after that, I mean, maybe Ivan, yeah, but there's some really like strange answers where it's almost like, do you understand the question? Like, why are you taking this kid when I'm telling you, you could take Markel Fultz or you could take Grayson Allen or you could take, um, you know, Monte Morris or Josh Hart. So there's some silly answers, but there's only a handful of, of, of actual answers that, that are sensible. Well, and let's, let's, so let's rewind the clock a year real quick. So last year when we did this question, um, Denzel Valentine and Buddy Heald did not crack our top six. How about top that? six right. was Dunn at 26%, and that was a fine answer. And at the time we thought that was – and that eventually – I mean, Dunn was he, – he was a really, really, really good player last year, obviously. Uh, ben Simmons was second with 21%. Nying at Iowa State, who was an All-American, was 20%. Mello Trimble, 6%. Dan Vliet was 5 And Scala Bissier was 4 um, I'm looking here at others receiving votes. Hold on. Man, see, last year was a much thinner field. Buddy Heal did not receive a vote, and Denzel Valentine did not receive a vote. We did this last year. They obviously were both. They both won Player of the Year National Awards last season. I don't expect that to happen this year in regard to, I think the list is so widespread I think that basically that when you go and look at the story, the guys that we have listed, I think it's a fair presumption that one of those guys, and if it might be a two-man situation like we had last year, will wind up being a national player of the year. But, um, but I, I did check that because I thought, did we get any – I thought we got healed. I was like, did we get any Valentine? We didn't get either of them right. coaches last year. So, it, you know, these guys know what they're talking about, but it absolutely can be a guessing game as well. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, um, yeah, like last year, for instance, we had three players, the three you mentioned, get uh, above twenty percent of the vote. Basically, the majority of the votes last year went to one of three people. This year, nobody got more than thirteen percent of the vote, and we had um, it, it's completely wide open. There is that, that's the main takeaway from it is that um, in some years there is an obvious answer. Like uh, you know, a couple years ago, it was like basically. Without looking at it, um, I remember it being basically like Frank, people answered Frank Kaminsky or they answered Jalu Okafor. So it was like, do you want the the established returning player or you know the the top guy in the country coming into school, or maybe it was Carl Anthony Towns as well. But it, there was like really only three different answers to the question, uh, reasonable answers to the question. This year, there's a um, you know we got a whole bunch of of different answers, and so the National Player of the Year race I think is going to be uh, interesting and. Um, Though I would be surprised if uh, if the eventual national player of the year isn't somebody we've listed here, um, you know, college basketball is one of those sports. You know, like 
nobody was talking about Adam Morrison as a player of the year until he became Adam Morrison with the mustache. And uh, nobody was really talking about Jimmer, I don't think, as a national player of the year deal until, you know, Jimmer Mania took over. So college basketball, um, and I do think that's one of the interesting things about the sport. Um, it always provides somebody. You don't always know who it's going to be. Like, obviously, because we're ta- we just talked about it. Nobody last year this time was talking about Buddy Hill. <laughs> but none of the coaches. You were. You you did have him preseason national player of the year, didn't you? I did. I right. Did. Okay. So outside of you, Norland, nobody was talking about Buddy Hill. But then by January, everybody was talking about Buddy Hill. And that's why it's never – By re- the way, he was the reigning Big 12 player of the year, which is also kind of crazy. Right. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't just totally come from nowhere. But on a national scale, yes. You know, considering what he did, it, it was a national breakout season for, for Buddy. So – yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if one of the guys, but that's also the fun of it, is, is when you get like a genuinely like a guy come out of nowhere. Right. I'd be surprised if, uh, if the player of the year did not come from the guy who did Remember, you can check uh, both of those out, uh, those candid coaches' questions, and we're going to be doing these every week for the next few weeks. You can find them all uh, at cbssports.com. One other college basketball story before we get out of here that's getting a lot of attention this week uh, involves Wichita State's Greg Marshall, who flipped completely out during the Shockers' foreign trip to Canada. They were playing in Montreal, and he got a second technical and went bananas. Like the video, if you haven't seen it yet, it's posted cbssports.com. It's on my Twitter feed uh, as well. Like he, like, do you remember a coach going that bananas at a, at multiple officials for more than a minute? I mean, it was relentless. We both know Greg really well. I actually, so I watched PTI on uh, on Wednesday night. They also discussed this story. And I think we're along the same. Like, I can't believe what he would do this. I actually can kind of believe. Marshall is a very passionate, super, super competitive dude. Like, crazy, crazy. I, I would honestly list him among on the short list of the most truly competitive coaches I know. Um, (laughs) He got suspended, uh, which is the right call. Um, And the thing is, like, if this had happened in the season, it would be a days-long story. But we're in the middle of the Olympics. August is the reason why we do our coaches poll every year in August is August is literally the slowest month for college basketball on the calendar. Um, so thank you to Greg for, for doing this and giving us something to talk about and write about. Um, I don't – can I necessarily blame him? I, listen, this is what happens when you lose Van Vliet and Baker. Okay? <laughs> you kind of you lose your mind a little bit there. Uh, but, no, he had issues with, with how physical the other team was, and, and he's clearly trying to make sure that his program, which, by the way, should be really good again now that it has been, but it, – it, it's reasonable to expect Wichita State to get an NCAA tournament bid this year. Now, I'm not guaranteeing it, but they absolutely should have that expectation. But, you know, when you lose two best players in program history, arguably, um, there's going to be a step back. So maybe he's pressing just a little bit. What were your impressions of, of the freakout and the relentlessness? With I mean, he was getting in the face of these officials. Like, there is, it was definitely not a great look for him, the school, the program overall. I can't deny that it was entertaining. It was entertaining, but like, I mean, clearly out of line. I mean, what, what you know, I, I don't know how anybody could suggest otherwise. Uh, I, I, like you said, I, I, we both know Greg well. Uh, I, I, we both like him. I, I like him. Uh, I think he's a tremendous basketball coach, like possibly a future Hall of Famer. 
um, whether he retires at Wichita State or, or, or takes a you know, top five, ten job in America somewhere over the next coming you know, few years. Um, but, like, yeah, you can't do that. It's, you know, and the suspension is deserved. Uh, I think the, the common opinion from at least folks I saw discussing it on Twitter was, like, really just being suspended for one exhibition? Like, should there be more? I, I, I am curious. What, if, uh, if a player did that exact same thing, like, like, forget that it's Greg Marshall and make it Marcus McDuffie. And he did that exact same thing. Every movement, every, every word, the, it's the same video, except it's a player instead of the coach. What happens to that player? I actually think he would be suspended for the rest of the trip. He would be disciplined when he got back and might get suspended for, you know, these teams play one or two exhibition games before the actual November, and I think he might get that. I even, I, in my opinion, I think if it was the exact same thing in McDuffie, who's going to be a huge factor for Wichita State this upcoming season, I actually don't even think that he would get suspended for the first half of the season. That's my guess. Um, because, correct me if I'm wrong, I did only watch the video once. Does Marshall ever physically, like physically, clearly? Get, get into the no, there was no, there was no contact. He never made contact with an official, but but he made, but he made contact with everybody on his roster and all and all of his assistants. Normally, it's when it's a hold me back situation, it's like a fake hold me back. This was like a legitimate, like no, you gotta you gotta hold Greg back right now because he was. I mean, he did get right up and close, but because there was no physical contact, that's why I think it would be the same. What do you think it would have been if it were Devin Downey who flipped out like that? I personally, I can't, I can't possibly imagine Devin Downey flipping out like that. Cause that's not his style. Not his uh, style. It's not his style. I've been telling people that. Really, well, shout out to Devin Downey. Shout out to Devin Downey. Really let me down if that had happened. But, uh, <laughs> but here's the, here's what I think will happen. I actually don't think this will wind up really sticking to Marshall um, because it's 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 in the dead of August, an exhibition game in Montreal. Montreal, by the way, tremendously underrated city. You ever been there? I've never been to Montreal. It is fantastic, um, incredible, uh, incredible bagels, <laughs> incredible. Uh, were, were you with me uh, over the over the summer? Was it you that had never uh, eaten uh, poutine? Did, did, I, did we talk about that? You didn't know what poutine was. I that's not me. They're, you're confusing me with somebody else. Do you know what poutine is? It's uh, I, I've had it. It's uh, what is it? What is it? Tell me. <laughs> poutine is fries with cheese curds and gravy and stuff. It's it's. Tremendous. Yeah, I've had. Yeah, I've had that. Of course, yeah, yeah, I've had yeah. that. But like, you know, get get some uh, some genuine Montreal poutine, and, uh, and it'll change your life. So, uh, a fantastic city, uh, home to the best chocolate chip cookie I've ever had. Shout out to Jonah Carey who gave me that suggestion some years ago. But yeah, so it's hard for me to imagine someone getting so angry in Montreal, which is uh, which is a gorgeous city, and really, I think the most underrated North American city. But uh, but we'll see what comes of Wichita State. They'll be good. Um, I'm just not sure. Like when we, we don't have them in our top 25 and one, do we? I do. Just on principle, yeah. Just because it's, uh, you know, they're still the most talented team in that league. I mean, they they, lo- they lose Baker Van Vliet, but they've started to recruit. Um, you know, because off the success, uh, they've been able to recruit top 100 kids, and nobody else in that league recruits top 100 kids. So they're going to win 25 games again. 
almost no matter what. So, you know, and they won like 26 or so last year. And that's with Van Vliet being hurt and like the team being banged up really from start to finish. So, uh, Greg Marshall, you go look at what he did at Winthrop, combine it with what he's done at Wichita State. Like he's, he's really good at this. And so I, uh, I, yeah, I've, I've got him right. I don't think it's a no brainer to have him ranked, but I feel a little bit like Wichita State the way I used to feel like about Wisconsin. Just, you know, Bo Ryan always one way or another is going to have a good team. Greg Marshall always one way or another is going to have a good team. And though I, I'm with you for the most part on the idea that this incident, this video isn't going to stick with them, um, I do wonder if it like could could play a factor in him not getting an opportunity at a job that he might be interested in. I mean, um, I don't think we're telling secrets here. Um He's been offered a whole bunch of jobs, so don't get it twisted. But there are some athletic directors who are turned off by him. Um, it, it was reported when the Texas job opened, and I do think that's one of the jobs Greg would have left Wichita for. Um, the Texas athletic director, who, by the way, turned out to be uh, a complete mess, uh, but like the, it was reported. He just he wasn't interested in Greg Marshall from a, a personality perspective. Just didn't want Greg Marshall, and so Greg like never got a phone call there. And um, if you are somebody who – and let me be very clear. I've spent a lot of time with Greg. I've spent a lot of time with his family. I know his wife. I know his children. I like Greg Marshall to the extent that people say, well, doesn't he uh, rub you the wrong way? Like, no, not at all. I think he's funny. I think he's smart. I think he's interesting. I think he's open. I, I like Greg Marshall. So I, I'm not the person who has that opinion of him. But there are people who have that opinion of him. And if you are an athletic director who already has that opinion of him, then this won't help that, right? I would agree with that. I, that. That is the one thing that popped in my mind when I watched it. I, you know, but then again, if if he's able to this season and even after that, even you apply, it's two more tournaments with ease, win a couple more games there. I think in most instances, if this is a one and done thing, if it never happens again, if he, you know, if he if he doesn't get ejected from a game this upcoming season, the season after that. I ultimately think that it won't have impact on future possible uh, hiring ability, you know, abilities at a top 15 program. But we'll see. If, but I will say this does set the table. If it ever happens again, if he ever gets ejected, if he gets if he goes crazy in a game during the actual season when a lot more people are paying attention, then yes, you have set a precedent here. Um, but if you never do it again, then then I think mostly people will forget. All right, let's get out of here. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the uh, latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. And uh, as always, sincerely, thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.